the Bank of Canada sent shockwaves through financial markets with a surprise 25 base point hike at yesterday's policy meeting. The latter, combined with a surprise 25 base point hike from the Reserve Bank of Australia a day before, fueled expectation that the Federal Reserve could also keep its rate pose short enough and get back to hiking. So welcome. This is Swiss Coast Daily Market Talk. Oh, the surprise 25 base point hike from the Bank of Canada yesterday sent shockwaves across the financial markets. Not obviously because everyone or every investor is watching what happens up there. But obviously, the fact that the Bank of Canada just decided to resume its rate hikes after a two-meeting pause fueled the central bank hawks around the world yesterday and also boosted the Federal Reserve rate hike expectations. Because remember, a day before, the RBA also surprised investors with a 25 base point hike. So, two back-to-back surprise rate hikes from two major central banks in the world in just a week is not great news for what's to come in the coming months in terms of tightening monetary policies. Now, it's important to note that the U.S. Federal Reserve isn't a fan of this kind of hawkish surprises. So the pricing that we see on expectations in the market right now before uh, the FOMC meetings are generally accurate. So activity on Fed funds futures now gives around one third chance for a 25 base point hike at the June meeting, meaning there will probably not be a rate hike from the Fed this month, but two thirds of chance for at least a 25 base point hike when the FOMC meets in July. So there could be a 25 base point hike when the FOMC meets in July. So as a result, the US two year yield, which captures the Federal Reserve rate expectations, is under a renewed positive pressure above the four and a half percent mark these days, while the US 10 year yield is just around the 3.80% level. Now, I think that if the Federal Reserve expectations become more hawkish from the actual levels, we will likely see the two-year US yield headed to the 5% psychological mark. But the upside potential in the 10-year yield is much, much less as the aggressive interest rate hikes coming from once too patient but now quite impatient policymakers around the world will push the world economy into a deeper chaos in the second half of this year and obviously higher and maybe deeper recession odds will inevitably resurface and further widen the gap between the two and the 10-year papers in the US. So this is it for the bonds, the surprise RBA and BOC rate hikes and the rising yields around the world are obviously bearish for stock valuations. The TSX gave back 0.36% at yesterday's trading session. The S&P 500 rebounded lower by a similar amount as well from last summer's peak levels, while the interest rate sensitive Nasdaq 100 died 1.75% yesterday as overbought names of the past weeks, like Nvidia, for example, were rapidly sold to lock in profits. Nvidia, for example, lost more than 3% at yesterday's trading session. And given the size of the recent rally in Nvidia, well, there is actually more air to be taken out of this balloon. There is actually 
a potential for a further downside correction in the Nvidia shares toward the $300 per share without, however, damaging Nvidia's medium term bullish trend. So that's also where the 50 day moving average lies right now. Now, the Russell 2000 index, however, which has underperformed the SP 500 and the big technology stocks after the bank crisis, jumped almost 2% at yesterday's trading session after a 2.70% gain just the day before. And note that these are rare days for the US 2000 smallest caps because, according to the Bear Traps report, there have been actually only two days since 1990 when the SP 500 gained less than 0.25% and the Russell 2000 index jumped more than 2.5%. So, one of these days of glory for the Russell 2000 was during the subprime crisis on October 10, 2008, and the other during the post pandemic rally back on November 2021. Now, yesterday's move in the small cap index doesn't mean that Russell 2000 stocks could actually better weather the rising interest rates in the US. Because on the contrary, small companies that we see in the Russell 2000 are obviously more vulnerable to the rising interest rates and the tightening credit conditions. But the surprise small cap rally could actually be a sign that the rally that we've been seeing in the big technology names has certainly gone a bit too far and that there is some rebalancing happening on the portfolios front nowadays. In the FX markets, well, the US dollar consolidates near the highest levels that we saw since mid-March, but hawkish bets for other major central banks like the ECB and BOE actually keep the US dollar's upside potential limited at the current levels. The euro dollar remains bid around the 107 level this morning, while cable bulls aim at the 50-day moving average, which stands near the 124.60 level for a further rise toward the 1.25 psychological mark, while the dollar yen finds sellers at the 140 psychological level. Now, the economic data released this morning in Japan hinted at a higher Japanese trade surplus in April, which is positive for the yen, while the first quarter growth was revised higher, which is also positive for the yen. But because the Bank of Japan is no longer acting reasonably, in tandem with what the economic data released in Japan would you know, demand them to do, it's quite hard to say buy or sell the Japanese yen in function of the economic data. In Turkey, well, the Turkish dollar lost 7% yesterday against the US dollar, and that was because the Treasury and Finance Ministry of Turkey, which is now under the leadership of the freshly appointed Mr. Mehmet Şimşek, apparently asked the central bank and the state banks to to wane their FX interventions. These interventions apparently resumed after the dollar try hit the 23 mark yesterday after a huge sell-off, yet the recent jitters in the Turkish lira is a sign that Turkey will soon abandon its costly and unsustainable FX interventions. Again, these FX interventions are something quite special alone, they are just a waste of money, obviously. They're okay, actually, when you have to, you know, calm down the market following an important event that leads to a huge sell-off. It could be an election, it could be a disaster, it could be anything like that. But if you keep burning your US dollars, your reserves, because you just want to keep your interest rates at absurdly low levels compared to the economic fundamentals, well, you will actually end up blowing up.
big time. So this is where the Turkish lira is right now at the boiling point. So the risks are obviously tilted to the upside and the dollar try could easily, easily jump to 30 to 35 range if it was left trade free. Elsewhere, gold is also under the pressure of rising US yields and the strong US dollar. The price of an ounce is now testing its 100-day moving average that stands near the $1940 level to the downside. And the sell-off could actually accelerate if support at the 100-day moving average level is taken out. Now, Bloomberg highlights that the regression analysis, so regression analysis is just a technical analysis that shows the relationship between two or more variables, just like statistical method. And that regression analysis suggests that if we take the relationship between the gold prices, the real interest rates, and the US dollar, well, the price of an ounce of gold should be around $400 lower than where it stands right now. So that would bring the price of an ounce to around $15, $40 per ounce. Now, it is, of course, a bit stretched at this point because there's also the market forces that determine the price, but the next reasonable target for gold bears is at 1905 level, which is the major 38.2% Fibonacci retracement on November to May rally, and which should, in theory, distinguish between the actual positive medium-term trend in gold and a bearish reversal. In the energy space, while well, US crude recovered past the $73 per barrel level at yesterday's trading session, as the EIA data revealed a surprise 500,000 barrels decline in U.S. crude inventories last week. But the rising interest rates around the world and the tightening financial conditions and obviously the rising recession worries as a result of the tightening financial conditions are bearish for oil, which on top failed to capitalize on OPEC's output cuts earlier this week. So risks for oil remain tilted to the downside. I actually expect to see some strong, strong resistance into the 50-day moving average, which sends a touch below the $75 per barrel level right now with a possible return below the $70 per barrel psychological mark. So this is all for today. I'm Ipek Özkardeşke and thank you for joining me and thank you for all your interesting and insightful feedbacks. I hope this episode of Market Talk has also been helpful and it has been insightful to you. So please do not hesitate to leave your comments, your reactions and your questions below as usual and follow us on Instagram, on Twitter and on LinkedIn for regular market updates and subscribe of course to our YouTube channel for daily market comments. I will meet you again tomorrow and until then, good day trading.